0: become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
3: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Thiboldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. On September 23rd, Dr. Charles Penley, chair-elect of the American Society of Clinical Oncology's Government Relations Committee, and that group, ASCO, is a 30,000-member organization of oncologists, testified before Congress about the impact of the drug shortage on the cancer community. He was very eloquent and and heartfelt about the situation. Here's some of what uh, he had to say. The most difficult thing, this is a quote, the most difficult thing in the world is to sit across from a patient who has the potential for a cure and tell them we do not, have the necessary therapeutic agents. Oncologists and their patients face incredibly difficult decisions on a daily basis. The stress of dealing with a cancer diagnosis and the necessary treatment is a heavy burden for patients and families to bear. It is absolutely unacceptable that the lack of effective oncologic therapeutics should add to that stress or worse. Threaten lives. We must do everything in our power to resolve this crisis and we should do it immediately. Ending the quote there. In 2011, the United States experienced shortages of more than 200 drugs, including everything from chemotherapy drugs, anesthesia drugs, nutritional supplements, uh, and truthfully, the current status of drug availability is reaching a crisis point in this country. Uh, The facts are alarming. The number of prescription drug shortages in the United States nearly tripled between 2005 and 2010. A major reason for the shortages uh, have been quality, manufacturing issues, uh, and additionally there have been other reasons such as production delays, a delay in uh, receiving raw materials and components from suppliers. Uh, Economically the shortages have cost hospitals $415 million in drug and labor costs. In the next hour I'll be speaking with three guests about the important issue of drug shortages. It is our hope by the end of today's episode you will feel better informed on this topic and know how to support your and others. I'm pleased to welcome today Carrie Fitzmorris, an ovarian cancer survivor and founder of Teal Toes, a nonprofit organization that seeks to raise awareness of ovarian cancer. Carrie is one of the many cancer patients who has experienced challenges in receiving treatment due to a short supply of available drugs. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. We are also joined by Lara Salahi, digital health reporter for ABC News. Lara is an award-winning multimedia journalist who writes breaking medical news stories and feature health and wellness pieces. She also works on medical pieces for Good Morning America and World News with Diane Sawyer. Welcome, Lara.
4: Hi, good to be here.
3: Uh, And finally, we are joined by Kara Tenenbaum, who serves as the Vice President for Policy and External Affairs for the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance, a nonprofit organization that serves to advance the interests of women with ovarian cancer and certainly a good partner of the cancer support community. Welcome, Kara.
5: Thanks. It's good to continue working with you, Kim.
3: Well, you guys all bring really valuable perspectives to the show, so i just I really want to jump right into the conversation i'm going to start with you, Lara um, could you j- just give us just just lay some foundation uh, for this for us? Can you explain to our listeners what are the key facts surrounding the drug uh shortage, how is this a public health crisis, and why why is this suddenly front page news?
4: yeah I mean, so the problem here expands beyond just cancer patients alone, but cancer treatments are definitely among the hardest um, hit in this in this drug shortage um, you know many many cancer patients are being turned away for potentially life saving treatments and, you know, the real problem here lies that, you know, many doctors don't know that there's a shortage in their hospital until they request that drug for the patient and patients often don't know that there's a shortage until, um, you know, they're told that there's not enough medication um, to, to treat them um, and so there are many players involved here um, but, you know, one of the key components here that makes this um, a so-called uh, public health crisis is that a lot of the uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers are not really aren't required to report shortages to uh, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Mm -hmm. And so while we have this idea, um, because the FDA does, you know, have a list of uh, the drug shortages, while we have an idea, we don't really know the the full scope of of the um, number of drugs that are in short
3: supply. Interesting. So I know we're going to talk a little later in the show about what some of the steps that are being taken to, to try to address that problem, that gap of that reporting. But, um, Laura, can you tell us what is the difference between generic drugs and patent drugs when it comes to these uh, shortages? And, and, you know, what are some of the, the, the specific drugs or categories of drugs that are being affected by these shortages?
4: Yeah, so a lot of the, you know, one of the few main reasons why um, uh, we are kind of suffering from this drug shortage is that you know many companies are are choosing not to manufacture certain drugs anymore because um, they're looking a- ahead to see um you know, to get drugs that are more profitable. And so it's not profitable to these companies anymore to be making these costly drugs. Um, and so, uh, you know, many are turning to cheaper generic alternatives. And so that's leaving a lot of people whom, um, you know, the the costly brand name drugs that, that they would um, benefit from, you know, that leaves them – them lacking. And, um, you know, and a lot of companies are significantly downsizing. And so, specifically for, you know, the ch- chemotherapy drug like doxorubicine, um, you know, ma- manufacturing for doxorubicine dropped um, from three companies to two last year. And so, literally, you know, the conveyor belts of medication. Um, manufacturing, is just not happening, the production of it. Um, and so for, for chemotherapy drugs, for example, you know, there's a shortage of things like paclitaxel and doxorubicine and then there are other, you know, hospital drugs like the blood thinner heparin and sedation mm-hmm. medications like propofol, antibiotics, ADHD medications like Adderall.
3: And that are being impacted, so um, I think that's helpful. Larry, well, right, it helps us set the stage for really what it is we're looking at. Carrie, I want to bring you in to the conversation because you obviously bring a very personal perspective um, uh, on this issue. I, I, you know, I want you to tell us a little bit about how your your treatment has been impacted by drug shortage, but I'd like for you to take a step back for us and tell us about your own cancer story, um, what kind of cancer you have when you were diagnosed with cancer, and lead us up to this moment where you are really now confronting this this drug shortage issue.
6: Sure, Kim. I was diagnosed about five and a half years ago with stage 3C ovarian cancer. I've been on and off, mostly on, uh, treatment since then. Uh, I have been put into a remission condition a couple of different times, um, but uh, the disease has always come back. Um, My treatment history has included two clinical trials. Uh, Most recently, though, last spring, uh, my medical team decided that the best thing for me would be Doxyl, which is the brand name for doxorubicin, in conjunction with another chemotherapy drug. And I had four treatments with both of those drugs, and I was responding extremely well uh... my medical team was really hopeful that they were going to be able to get me back into remission with this combination of drugs unfortunately by the end of the summer the shortage had hit and mm-hmm. my last three treatments uh, have been with uh, just the one drug and not with the doxal uh... and so i am sort of in limbo here sort of treading yeah. water being able to put off it looks as if I'm putting off new growth of my tumors by being on mm-hmm. the one drug, but um, it's doxal that I need to make them
3: go away. Is your do you how often do you get your? Do you, are you supposed to get this combined chemo every four dairy? weeks?
6: Every four every weeks. Every four
3: weeks. So yeah. so it's been three months now that you haven't gotten this combo.
6: It's been three months and it's not. Look, I'm supposed to have chemo again in a couple of weeks, and I don't know yeah. if it's looking so great for that either. What are they? What are they? What are they telling you?
3: What's your doctor telling you?
6: Um, Well, one of the the great frustrations that all of us patients who are in this situation right now are having is that there is just not a whole lot of information out there. Mm. Um, There's certainly more now than there was four or five months ago about the whys and wherefores of the uh, shortage, but there is just not a whole lot of great information out there. Um, We don't really know exactly when, you know, we've been told that they are producing it and that this particular production process actually takes a while from start start to finish, uh, but we don't really know when is the next batch of drug going to be available, and who's going to get it.
3: Did you? Um, did they call you in advance to tell to, to tell you that you were not going to be able to get the doxyl, or was it when you walked into your appointment that you found out? Well,
6: I'm I'm in I'm generally in in. Uh, correspondence with, with my uh, oncologist and um, some of the other folks on her staff, um, mm-hmm. so as soon as I had started hearing uh, through uh, some of the other online uh, patient tools, I had started hearing that there was a shortage, I immediately mm-hmm. contacted them and asked them, am I going to be affected? So as soon as they found out that that was in fact the
3: case, they let me know. And did you have the Doxil this summer and then it stopped being available or did you not have it with this combination? I had it uh, May, June, July, and August,
6: and uh-huh. I have so far missed it September, October, November, and I will likely miss it again the end of November.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um you know, again, I think this is it really puts a human face uh, uh, on the issue, Carrie, and you're really helping us to understand uh, the seriousness um, uh, of, uh, of this issue. Um, Cara, I, I, we, we're going to go quickly to a break here, but just, just before we do that, it seems like a, a complex issue. It's, it's affecting patients, it's affecting healthcare care providers and others. You know, who are the stakeholders when it comes to this drug sur- shortage? I mean, who's got an interest in this game?
5: Well, frankly, I think most people have an interest uh, when we talk about this- things like cancer, anesthesia drugs, some of these nutritional supplements. We're talking about most Americans who are affected. Um, You know, they either have a friend, a family member, a loved one who could be affected by, you know, a disease in these categories. And so I think it's important that we all work together, Congress, the manufacturers, patients, patient advocacy groups. And I hope that we can come to a really you know, well thought-out, short-term and long-term solutions, so this doesn't happen again.
3: Kara, I think that's going to be critical, and I think again we're going to talk a little later in the show about what, what steps people can take to to get this addressed if this is something that they are confronting. And I want to make sure we're giving folks a vehicle for that. Kara, do you have other people coming to your organization with this uh, with this issue? We do.
5: We have our website, stopdrugshortages.org, where we're sharing any patient's story, um, whatever disease they have of having been affected by this drug shortage. We, Because we work with mostly ovarian cancer patients, those are most of the stories we get, but we know that there are even um, premature babies in the, the NICU who aren't necessarily getting the nutritional supplements they need. We know that there are patients who aren't getting the anesthesia they need. We have folks getting um, you know, shortages of both generic and branded ovarian cancer drugs, and it's a a major problem because people are not getting the ideal treatment that their doctor right. and they have decided upon
3: right right and so there's some serious compromises going on that mm-hmm. uh, are impacting outcomes and, and and even really survival uh this is frankly speaking about cancer this is kim i'm your host uh, we're talking today about the critical drug shortage issue in america we're going to take a quick break here we will be right back
0: listening to voice america health and wellness
2: effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery for the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing how to handle co-workers questions how to get comfortable with new physical realities how to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope.
0: I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand, choices. I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help.
1: Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials.
0: Help with finances and access to care. All behind you of Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness.
2: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
3: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's uh, uh, episode is focused on the drug shortage issue in America. I'm Kim Tebeldo and today I'm joined uh, by Carrie Fitzmaurice, a cancer patient who has been impacted by the recent drug shortage epidemic, Lara Salahi, digital health reporter for ABC News, and Kara Tenenbaum, who serves as vice president for policy and external affairs for the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance, an organization that advocates on behalf of women with ovarian cancer, we're talking today about drug shortages, of which 21% of shortages are said to be due to delays in manufacturing or capacity issues. Uh, there has been a lot of news coverage on this topic lately. Uh, in an interview with NPR, Dr. Uh, I think it's Cantarigian of MD Anderson in Houston said, all oncologists in the United States, whether they like to admit it or not, have had patients that have been affected and may have had their prognosis become worse or have died. From drug shortages, um, a pretty powerful quote in an NBC News interview. Dr. Jeffrey Dome of Children's National Medical Center, uh, he's the oncology chief there, said, "Quote: Children's lives could be lost if they don't have the drugs available to treat their cancer." Uh, end quote. Again, pretty powerful uh, statements by some pretty prominent figures in the U.S. Um, uh, Lara, is this the, is this? the next big national crisis in healthcare? Are we on this crisis or is this, is this something that's being, being hyped by the media? I mean, what, what did you learn from your investigation?
4: Yeah, you know, Kim, certainly there's a problem here. And, uh, you know, the power, I think, is in the stories we're hearing from patients like, you know, like Carrie. And But just to put things into perspective here, I mean, the, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, you know, in a, in a conference uh, last week just said that of about, you know, 40,000 medications used in a hospital setting, less than 200 are in short supply. So that's a relatively small number, but I would argue that these are important life-saving drugs that were that were lacking and you know we started this investigation um, in I think December 2010 and went out to hospitals and and asked them nationwide if they're um, experiencing this problem and they did and then we went back um, just last month um, and it's you know almost a year later Mm -hmm. and they're still having this problem yeah
3: um, Carrie, are you, are, you know, we're hearing a lot about this in the media lately. You know, what's your, what's your what's your take on that?
6: One of the things that, this is Carrie, one of the things that I think about as we are all uh, asked on an almost daily basis to help raise money for various, for cures for various diseases, is how, in how many cases, like with the doxyl situation, is there something that already exists, that's already been through the various approval processes, been through the clinical trials, been approved, is out there um, and should be available but is not, that could if not cure somebody, actually do a darn good job of getting them down that road, but is not available. So why why should we continue to look for more cures if they're not going to be available either? It may be a small percentage of drugs, but if it is the one that is going to uh, cure somebody, then it is extremely important.
3: Carrie, have you? So, you've been dealing with cancer for more than five years now. Is this the first time you've confronted a drug shortage issue? Is this something you even knew about or heard about before this spring?
6: Well, one of the things that I found out as I have done my own poking around on this is that it is quite possible that many patients have encountered a drug shortage, but they might not necessarily know it because their doctor has prescribed something else instead, Um, especially uh, when, you know, in in the hospital post-surgery, and I've certainly been in that situation a few times, Mm -hmm. um, where it might be that either that, you know, the anesthesia used or uh, some of the pain relief used afterwards um, was not exactly the doctor's. First choice, but the patients don't know that, and so that's one of the reasons why I think that this is, 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 is an issue that definitely needs more public uh, public interest or pu- public light shown on it
3: so people are aware of that. Um, but it raised, these... you raise a very interesting question, Carrie. I mean, do you think that the patient has the right to know that? Uh,
5: I think if I'm a doctor help, and I'm giving you something um, it, there, that is I not have, my I've first heard of various cases
3: where
6: the drug, uh, Plan I I don't want to call it, let's not use, use that term, but the, the second choice drug that a doctor uh, has prescribed, maybe may there, there's a reason why that, that was the second choice. It may have a couple of extra side effects. Somebody might wake up with a headache that they might not have had if they had had uh, the drug that their doctor wanted to use. Um, they might have to take a course of it for, you know, a couple of weeks instead of a week because it's not the one that their doctor wanted to use. Use. Minor things, but in the grand scheme of all that, that uh, certainly all of those of us with cancer um, are having to deal with, all the different drugs we're having to juggle and, and side effects we're having to juggle, it, it can really add up.
3: But back to my question, do you think that it is the doctor's obligation, do you think the patient has the right to know that the drug they're getting is not the first choice of their of their doctor?
6: I don't know why I would put it in, in the context of a, an absolute right to know. I certainly think it would help the situation
3: if they did. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, uh, and If I could jump in, Kim, I wonder where that,
5: that yes. stands from a legal perspective in terms of a patient's informed consent and being able to make good decisions about what it is they're doing, the timing of what they're doing, if it's you know optional, and, and having a full
3: set of information. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it does raise a really, uh, I think Carrie's raising a really interesting question, uh, that's a, a almost an ethical question for us to ponder, uh, a, a little bit. But, um, uh, but, but, Carrie, I mean, I know that, that, um, that drug shortages not only raise, you know, obviously public health concerns, but uh, you know there there has to be an obvious economic impact here as well. Kara, what is uh, you know what what are some of the economic concerns around this? There are. I mean, I
5: think there are millions of dollars. These are documented millions of dollars spent not only by the FDA trying to fix this, but by hospitals trying to you know work around um, the problem of drug shortages. I think that they've done a pretty good job up until recently, where we did hit this kind of critical mass point. I think. That there also there's this whole gray market issue where folks are buying drugs not directly from the manufacturer or the wholesaler that they usually use, and so these can, these drugs can be marked up 200, 300, 400, 900 percent, which is a big issue. Um, I think we're also figuring out that maybe our reimbursement system isn't perfect. And that we might not have the right incentives because what we are talking about are, as Laura mentioned, these inexpensive drugs. So are we setting, are we paying for things appropriately? Are we setting up the right incentives? You know, and how do we figure out a system that gets these these cheaper drugs to people who need them in the time mm-hmm. that they need them?
3: Kara, are you hearing any stories of patients perhaps trying to go to other countries to get the drugs they need?
5: Yeah, we have a woman who is in France getting a treatment right now, Um, she's Mm -hmm. from Vermont and her story is is up on her website also, so I'm not telling stories out of turn. Um,
3: Right. But it, what's, the, it, what's the website, Kara, again? It's
5: stopdrugshortages.org. Um, but, but folks are trying to go from one hospital to another, and, and the hospitals are trying to work together, call each other, figure out what they can use and how they can get patients the right kind of drugs. It, it's becoming incredibly, incredibly complicated. Part of what um, the executive order the other week did was add staff. So we've now added, you know, five more full-time employees just to try to solve this problem.
3: Right. Um, you know, Lara, I'd love to get your, uh, just your quick opinion on that, on the issue of, um, you know, how, how how much should be <laughs> disclosed by the doctor here and if you're not getting the, uh, you're not getting a drug because of a shortage, that would have been the first choice protocol from the doctor. Do you, do, does the doctor have an obligation to disclose that to the patient?
4: You know, I don't know the legal surroundings around it, but as, yeah. as a patient, I mean, I would want to know, and I also yeah. think that, you know, as doctors, uh, you know, there should be some sort of obligation to, you know, communicate with the patient and let them know what's happening and, you know, tell them about, you know, the the risk and benefits that are associated with, these, uh, with this drug shortage.
3: You know, Kara, um, um, I know that we're actually getting towards our... Um towards our break. I think we're going to need about three hours for this show. It's just uh, it's such a, a fascinating topic. Um, but, Kara, what, what services or programs are available to cancer patients affected by the drug shortage? Certainly we heard about StopDrugShortages.org, a place where folks can share their stories. I know there's, a, uh, I think, a Doxal Care Patient Assistance Program. Well, you know, Tell us about that or other programs. So right. to, well, that's uh, a, a patients some resources for patients
5: through basically this. so that the, the company can help ration drugs to the people that are, you know, whether it's on label how the number of treatments they get they still don't have enough drugs for everybody unfortunately and i think by and large the other programs and services are mostly behind the scenes it's the the hospital pharmacists the community oncologists all of those folks talking to each other talking to the fda and so i think the fact that we haven't heard about this in in the past um, you know until recently is because these folks have been doing a lot of work behind the scenes So if there's something that you, you know, prefer to get, I think it's something you need to talk to your doctor about and see again, is it worth waiting, is it worth going for your, you know, second choice, third choice, and what does that mean for your future potential treatments if this is something that could be an ongoing medical issue?
3: Um, uh, Carrie, as we go to our break, uh, uh, have there been any particular programs or resources that you've signed up for and rolled in, or or, or what are you doing to advocate for yourself here? The the
6: Doxal Cares program that Kara mentioned is is a requirement if you ever want to get any more Doxal. You have to sign up for that program, Um, which I did in the first few days that it was open. Um, It's a waiting list for the drug. There's absolutely no way of finding out exactly where you are on that waiting list or what the Mm -hmm. criteria they are using to get drugs
3: to folks and how do you feel about that
6: um, it is it is very frustrating uh, the the press releases from the company say that they have that they had released a batch that they created back in September um, to the folks who were on the waiting list and you know I just got to wonder I was on that list in the first few days of its existence and I have heard absolutely nothing, nothing. my doctor cannot find out anything about it uh, the poor contract nurses that um, the, that the company has hired that the, the original intent of the program was actually to follow up with patients after they received their treatment and make sure that they are doing okay from a side effect perspective. Those poor mm-hmm. nurses, however, are not told who is or isn't receiving their drugs. So they, here they are calling people who mm-hmm. have not gotten any doxil, and they're not happy about it. And yeah. uh, the nurses don't know anything more than we patients do. It's very
3: frustrating so, for everybody. So wh- what do you, Carrie? What are your What are your doctors telling you is the impact of you not getting this disease on your cancer? What
6: well, at the moment, the way I phrase it is I'm treading water. Uh, the drug mm-hmm. that I am getting is, I believe, keeping it from growing any, but it is not knocking it back. My concern is that my body will not be able to remain in chemo long enough to outlast the shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's a cumulative effect. I've now had overall seven chemo treatments, um, four with dox and three without, and I'm starting to get really tired, I mean physically just really tired from it. Um, my mm-hmm. blood counts are doing okay. Um, part of that being that I am on the younger side of ovarian cancer patients and I am otherwise healthy. Uh, for somebody who is not in those, uh, who does not meet those criteria, it would probably be much, much harder. Um, Would I be able to to last this way for another nine months? Um, You know, if that's what it took to get Doxo, I don't know.
3: This is uh, Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking today about the drug shortage and its incredible impact on patients across the country. We're going to take a quick break here, but we're going to be right
0: back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi. I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphitech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, AZI, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
2: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed.
0: helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
3: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebeldo, and today I'm joined by Carrie Fitzmorris, a cancer patient who has been personally impacted by the drug shortage in this country, Lara Salahi, digital health reporter for ABC News, and Kara Tenenbaum, who serves as the vice president for policy and external affairs for the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance. Today we're talking about drug shortages in America, which have cost hospitals $415 million uh, in drug and labor costs. Uh, I want to ask Lara... Um, you know, so we're trying to figure out, all right, what's going on with this? What, what actions are being taken on a federal level to try to address this issue, address this gap, the reporting issue? I know, Lara, on October 31st, uh, President Obama issued an executive order addressing uh, the drug shortage. What did the executive order say? What is it uh, designed to do? And, and, and what's been the general reaction to it?
4: Yeah, so the the, um, the executive order just, to, you know, basically uh, is, you know, a uh, uh, – passage to the FDA to urge pharmaceutical companies to voluntarily notify the FDA when there's an impending um, drug shortage so that they know and they can create a list and and potentially prevent it. Um, It also, you know, uh, allows for, uh, you know, faster uh, regulatory reviews um, of certain drugs so that, you know, potentially they could be passed Through the regulatory system faster and approved so that they can get into the hands of patients faster, Um, and then also, you know, it it kind of allows the FDA to examine, like Kara mentioned before, about price gouging, which is, you know, when these uh, these pharmaceutical sellers are just, you know, stockpiling these drugs and then offering to sell them to hospitals and to clinics at, you know, exorbitant prices.
3: Hmm. But Lara, one of the things you said, I think, is so interesting that the order. Urges companies to voluntarily report when they might anticipate a shortage. It sounds a little bit soft to me. Um, well, you know, what do we need to do to require uh, uh, companies to do that with well enough notice so that that, that uh, you know pa- uh, uh, patients' regimens can be can can be managed a little bit better instead of patients kind of walking in and finding out that the drug they were supposed to get is suddenly not available.
4: Yeah, there's, you know, there's conflicting, uh, you know, opinions about, uh, you know, what's going to allow things to be more, um, you know, mandatory. I mean, the FDA uh, doesn't have that authority to kind of mandatorily, um, you know, have these private companies uh, report their shortages to them. Um, So really, this executive order doesn't really grant new authority to the FDA or to the Department of Health and and Human Services, but, you know, what it does do is really put on the radar, you know, that the government is, you know, knows about this shortage and is trying to do, I guess, the best that they can with the authority that they're given. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in terms of opinions, I mean, some experts, you know, really are on board and, and think that this is a, a great idea. Others think that if there's no financial incentive to these companies, you know, and and financial, you know, punishment for not um, for not reporting their shortage, that, you know, nothing's really going to get done.
3: Right. And, uh, you know, that could be, uh, you know, something that the advocacy community takes on to, um, you know, perhaps step up our efforts around really leaning on, uh, you know, the companies to do that. Kara um, Tenenbaum, I want to read a, uh, a statement that was issued by Senator Amy uh, Klobuchar and I'd love for you to comment on that and any other action that you're seeing in Washington to try to address this issue. Um, uh, we do know Senator Klobuchar is an outspoken member of Congress uh, on the importance of dr- addressing drug shortages. Uh, her statement, quote, we are facing an unprecedented shortage of critical medications used to treat cancer and other illnesses that is causing significant risks to patient safety. Given the scope of the problem, it's clear we need a coordinated strategy to root out the causes of these drug shortages and prevent them before they happen. What's the, what's the coordinated strategy, uh, Keratinibom, that we're potentially uh, looking at? What other action is happening in Washington? And, and again, h- how can the patient voice be heard in this?
5: I'll tell you, I think that's a really good question because I don't know that we know. And one of the things from a patient advocate perspective is that I have folks like Carrie you know, calling me and saying, okay, I have this shortage, what do I do? And as somebody who is a patient advocate, I'm used to providing at least a good path forward. And we really don't have that, I, I don't think here. We don't know what the real root of the problem is. We, we don't know really how to solve it. And so I think that um, the bill, the Senator Klobuchar bill and the Representative to bill that are pending are really just one small step and what really needs to be a bigger, like I said, both a short and a long-term solution we need safe and effective drugs that are available to patients, um, and we need them at an appropriate price because you don't get a choice about what chemo you want and how much you're gonna pay for it. This isn't like buying a toaster oven, right? So we really need to set up a better system that works for patients, that works for providers, and provides the right kind of incentive. So I wish I had a better answer in terms of what the next steps are and how we're gonna fix this, but I think we're still in the information gathering phase, which is really frustrating. So, what's the conversation
3: in Congress right now, Karen?
5: I think part of it is this bill that will require manufacturers to provide six months' notice to the FDA when they are going to stop manufacturing a drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of it there are other talks about you know different incentive systems taxes um, Medicare you know is a large purchaser of chemotherapy drugs is there something that the government can do with its power to help you know realign some things I think people are talking about all kinds of different solutions I don't know that anybody's hit on you know the, the thing that's going to fix it and it may not be one thing it might be a multitude of things It might require a package
3: yeah yeah um, Carrie, Fitzmaurice, can you tell us a little bit more about your, you know, your conversations right now with your medical team? So you shared with us earlier in the show you're supposed to be on a combination therapy. You were on the combination for a period of time. The second drug became suddenly unavailable, so you're on a single therapy r- right now, which we hope is keeping the disease uh, uh, at bay. Are you talking to your doctors about, you know, are there other options that you can be looking at, other combinations that you can be looking at? Is it simply a waiting game, waiting on the doxyl? Can you can you share with at the us, moment, us, us a little bit
6: about I get, that? I, at, yeah, at the moment, I think for some of the reasons that I mentioned before, that I am otherwise healthy and I am tolerating um, the, the chemo okay um, from a medical perspective. From a patient's perspective, I'm tired of being tired and I'm tired yeah. of being sick. And if I had been getting doxyl all this time, maybe I would be nearing the end of going through chemo overall, and I'm not, um, so there's that frustration, uh, but from the, from a medical perspective, I'm, I'm doing okay right now. I'm stable, and so they're willing to wait it out a little bit longer with the hopes um, that the drug will be available again, but again, one of the other things we don't know is if I should get a dose of it in the next month, um, will it be another four months after that until I get the next one? Uh, mm-hmm. That That's another one of those things that we just don't know right now about uh, the pipeline and, and and how people are how they're going to be ramping up again um, they have stated that no new patients should be put on this and so no new patients it's probably been oh we're pushing six months now since mm-hmm. they advised no new patients to be put on it um, so mm-hmm. there is just a universe of those of us who have started with it uh, mm-hmm. who are waiting for it um, another point I should mention um, not my not my own experience but there are clinical trials that have had to be put off that have had to be stopped mm-hmm. um, that in some ways you know in some some of them haven't started yet because one of the arms of them was supposed to include Doxel.
3: Um, so this is also of, having an impact on cancer research.
6: Oh yeah, think of all the resources that we have invested in those, um, right. and 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 so those will need those the, the trials of course will need to ha, will need to know that they're going to have a reliable supply of the drug before they're going to go ahead and, and start a trial. Uh, so that's that's a whole other aspect of all of this that's not helpful.
3: So Carrie, what so so help me understand what does this feel like emotionally for you? I mean, is it you know are you you uh, angry? Is this keeping you up at night? Is this is this going to be a whole series of what ifs in your I life? I think I is have. This... I have. I think I have already overused the word frustration
6: <laughs> in this show already. <laughs> we're, you know, we're taking it up a notch here. Yeah, way too many times. <laughs> um, I am definitely angry, and uh, as as Kara mentioned, you know, I call her and I want to know what can I do. Yes. Um, there is an awful lot of anger out there amongst all of the patients that are affected like this. They want to channel it into something. But as Kara said, there's really not anything right now, not any direction that we can channel it into. Um, so in my case, I'm out there uh, talking about it and agitate, like I am to, uh, with you guys today, yeah. um, and, and agitating in the places where I know that that's possible. Um, but there's – it's – Oh, yes <laughs> very frustrating yeah. um in me personally it it is i think it is it is definitely affecting my sleep patterns um there are definitely times when i i do have to take a break I can no longer participate in some of the uh online uh uh, chat rooms um, about yes. this, people are, are sharing their experiences with it, um, which are a great way to uh, try to piece together the story, since again, not everyone seems to have perfect information about all of this, but it becomes extremely emotionally draining.
3: Um, are you, do you have family, Carrie? Are you, um, is this something you're, 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 your family's dealing with and talking about as well?
6: I am a mom with two little boys. And, uh, the, I also am attempting to hold down a full-time job. Mm. Uh, and that that's thats sort of another level of frustration. You like to know, my boss would like to know when yes. I'm going to be in the office and when I'm not. And yes. how long is this going to go on after all? I mean, in the past I've known I will be on chemo for six months, I will be on chemo for eight months, and then, you know, I'll, I'll start to get better and I'll be able to add more duties to my roster again. Uh, and we don't have that quite yet. Uh, it, the same with uh, trying to uh, arrange uh, the things I have to arrange for other folks to help me with my children on the days that I have chemo or the days that I'm recovering from chemo I mean it would be it would be nice to know uh that there is an end in sight and at the moment there is not um I am incredibly lucky to have um an understanding employer and colleagues who are willing to, to pitch in and help me out, as well as the support that I have um, in my uh, neighborhood and community for helping me and my husband uh, keep, our, keep our house afloat, uh, keep our children mm-hmm. going through all of this. Um, but, yeah, we, it, there's, there's a certain amount of uh, cancer fatigue um, out there, and everybody would like me to just uh, get this into remission and uh, uh, go on with life for a little bit.
3: How old are your boys, Carrie?
6: My boys are 8 and 11. Uh, So they have been living with a mom with cancer
3: just about as long as they can remember. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say um, that's an interesting, you know, reality for them, isn't it? It's interesting to, uh, you know, to to, to, to think about that for them. And then, of course, this, um, uh, you know, incredible, you know, turning of this corner into this wall. Uh, about an issue and, and just that that anger and that frustration about you know not being able to not being able to do uh, uh, anything about it, I mean it has to be an incredibly uh, emotional issue. This is frankly speaking about cancer today we 're talking about uh, the issue of drug shortage in America and how it is impacting patients and families every day we 're going to take a quick break we 'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
2: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle coworkers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. Or visit us online at www.CancerSupportCommunity.org. That's CancerSupportCommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope.
0: Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help.
1: Support from cancer survivors links to research and clinical trials
0: help with finances and access to care all behind you at breakaway from cancer created by amgen to empower cancer patients the cancer support community is proud to be a partner of breakaway from cancer helping you make informed decisions for your life this is voice america health and wellness
2: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, president and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
3: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, I'm Kim Tibaldo. Today I'm joined by Carrie Fitzmorris, a cancer patient who's been impacted by drug shortages, Larry Salahi, digital health reporter for ABC News, and Kara Tenenbaum, who serves as the vice president for policy and external affairs for the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance. Uh, Reuters recently reported that a survey of pharmacists around Britain found 80% were unable to dispense certain items because of shortages in that country. Um, Lara, I want to ask you in your uh, your reporting and covering the story, do we know, do we really know the order of magnitude uh, of this problem in in covering the story? Do you have a sense of optimism or do you see a growing concern from from doctors and patients uh, around this issue?
4: Yeah, Kim, I mean, we don't know, you know, the order of magnitude of this problem. I mean, we can go on to the FDA website and see the number um, that we, uh, that have been reported um, as being in short supply, but we, but, you know, besides what's voluntarily reported, we really don't know. and, you know, the patients that I've spoken to in regards to this story echo, you know, Carrie's sentiment about frustration. And some are saying that, you know, they're taking these second-line therapies because something is better than nothing, you know, quote, something is better than nothing. And, um, you know, and then when it comes to these experts, you know, there is a sense of cautious optimism about, you know, the executive order and, and the legislation that's being put forward, as, as Kara explained. But you've got to remember there's there's no fix and, you know, Mm-hmm. This shortage is years in the making, and it's it's going to take years
3: to fix. Boy, it's just it's painful to think that that uh, we're at a place with you know cancer care in America for certain patients where their their choice is something is better than nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from, mm-hmm. You know, the most advanced society in the world, and that's our, you know, that's our answer. Um, is it, you know, really? Uh, I think really distressing. Um, uh, Lara, obviously covering this, it's you know, you're, you try to be objective as a reporter covering the story. But um, do, do, do you feel a sense of personal alarm when you hear this? I mean, I can can you kind of envision yourself in Carrie's shoes and and uh, and, and think, uh, well, you know, boy, oh boy, this is this really is cause for alarm.
5: You know, I do.
4: I mean, I feel both sides um, of the issue, and I I definitely feel for for Carrie and other patients that, you know, I've spoken to, and, you know, because I know that if me or or my loved one were to go to the hospital for any sort of treatment, you know, besides just cancer treatment, I mean, you would, in a sense, expect that the doctor would have it available, and that's just kind of the society that, you know, we live in, and so, um, you know, I, like many others, would never know until it gets to the point where, you know, you would need treatment whether or not it's it's fair but again you know just to put into perspective this isn't you know the of the 40,000 hospital drugs that are out there this is just kind of in the hundreds range and right. still potentially life-saving
3: treatment. Right uh, absolutely yeah. Kara um, Tenenbaum uh, from an advocate's point of view um, What's needed to help resolve the problem of, of, of the drug shortage? How, how do we get how do we get uh, how do we get people involved? How do we raise the stakes on this?
5: I think there are a number of ways that people can be involved. First of all, if they are experiencing a shortage, like Carrie, they can tell their story, make sure that folks know, make sure that their uh, representatives, their elected officials know, make sure that their local hospitals know. We've talked to some state departments of health that have said, no, there are no drug shortages in my state, which is, of course, not true. Right, I think, you know, right. this isn't really, it's starting to get the attention that it deserves. So I think that joining, you know, check in with your local advocacy group, check in with your mm-hmm. disease group and see what, you know, raise your voice, add to the conversation. I think we also need to make sure we're calling on all the stakeholders that so we we talked about a little bit before to really be constructive to be open and honest and come to the table with some solutions because we at the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance do want to support good proposals we just don't have a lot in front of us
3: in front of us right now
5: yeah we um, continue to work with Congress we're helping share these stories and and we're calling on people who are decision-makers to to make good decisions you know if it's a capacity problem for example we at the Alliance
3: we can't build a, a factory You know,
5: but we want to make it yeah. easy for folks to do that if that's what
3: they need to do right 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 but it's just uh, there's so many layers to the issue it's um, it really is a, it really is a very complex um, issue Carrie I know you're talking to us today you've talked to others um, in the media about your story which is uh, you know a just really um, touching and, and, and powerful um, and emotional um, uh, you know, aside from talking to the media, what else are you doing to make your voice heard on this issue? What else can others do, um, Carrie, to uh, to make their voice heard?
6: I've been working very closely with Kara's uh, organization, the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance, and uh, uh, I participate as part of their uh, advocacy program in uh, contacting folks on Capitol Hill, um, the agencies involved, uh, and anybody who might possibly be able to help in this situation. it, it, it is a frustration, the, the executive order wouldn't necessarily help in the doxel situation because we, you know, FDA did know immediately as, as soon as we knew that there was going to be a shortage, but there is still a shortage. Uh, yes. the, the overall, it's going to take a huge uh, systematic change and I think the, the the more people who start to realize that um, and can help push for that, uh, the better. It may take years and it may take even a generation to get that done. Uh, but we, a, a, any little steps we can take towards helping to make that happen now are what we have to do.
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's good input, good advice for folks. I want to mention uh, a few resources and, 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 and websites. Kara mentioned StopDrugShortages dot org. If you are experiencing this, we would encourage you to go. Uh, to that site and to share your story, um, and uh, you know, I, I know uh, that uh, ACNA is trying to gather these patient voices um, so that when there is something on which to act, we have that army uh, lined up to take that action and to share their 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 voices and their own experience. Um, you know, with the cancer support community, along with the entire uh, cancer community, are committed to improving the standard of care um, that all patients receive. Uh, I got to say now is not the time for us to go backwards uh, on this, lives really are at stake. You know as President Obama said when he announced the executive order addressing the shortage of life-saving drugs, that this is a problem we can't wait to fix um, and uh, I think we all agree uh, w- with that statement and we need to be establishing the vehicles for these voices to be heard and establishing the vehicles to act um, so that we can stem this problem. Uh, for the most up-to-date information on drug shortages you can visit. Visit the Food and Drug Administration's uh, drug shortage information page at www.fda.gov um, uh, to support the ovarian community and its efforts towards stopping drug shortages. Visit uh, the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance at www.ovariancancer.org and also the Teal Toes organization at www.tealtoes.org and and again the. Um, StopDrugShortages.org uh, website. As I mentioned earlier in the show, the Cancer Support Community uh, provides a whole host of in-person and online, uh, telephonic support for people with all cancers at all stage of illness. Um, if this is uh, if you are dealing with this issue, certainly share that with us, um, and we will get you plugged into these channels. Uh, you can visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org or call us at eight 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 seven nine three nine three five five. We've got fifty seven. Now, 57 centers across the country where we're providing support groups, educational programs, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, free of charge for um, uh, for people with all cancers uh, at all stage uh, uh, of illness. Um, we want to dedicate the show today to all people, uh, all patients and families who are in need of these um, uh, potentially life-saving um, um, medications. I want to thank uh, I want to thank our guests, Carrie Fitzmorris, um, uh, particular for sharing your story with us, Carrie, and helping us raise awareness on this important issue so that we can all find that path for action. Uh, Larry Salahi, a digital health reporter for ABC News, and uh, Kara Tenenbaum, who serves as the vice president of the Ovarian Cancer National Alliance, a, a strong partner uh, of the cancer uh, uh, support community. I appreciate you guys being a part of this conversation today. I have a feeling that this is going to be our first conversation on this topic um, and not our last Uh, because it is a critical issue. It is not the time to go backwards. Um, And uh, I think that I'm glad we're all aligned uh, in raising awareness uh, on the issue. So I I do appreciate everybody chiming in today. Um, This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.